Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. This is Season 13, Episode 3. Today, I'm speaking with author Jacqueline Chiolori. Jacqueline was born in the Philippines, but now spends her time in England. Jacqueline's first book is the highly acclaimed The New Filipino Kitchen, Stories and Recipes from Around the Globe. Her second book, We Cook Filipino, is out now. She is a picture book writer also of Mommy King, her first picture book, a story about Mon Mon Look, Found Love, Riches, and the Perfect Bowl of Soup, is scheduled for publication in spring of 2024. Jacqueline's writing appears in anthologies such as Chicken Soup for the Soul, Find Your Inner Strength. Her work also appears in global media sites such as the Huffington Post and Epicurious. She is one of the five young women professionals featured in Emirates Women's Magazine in the special report, Why the Future is Female. Her story in the New Filipino Kitchen recounts what it's like to be a single Filipino female expat in an extremely male-dominated and couple-oriented society. In 2019, Metro Style named her one of the 20 Filipino global culinary stars you should know. I'm going to take you now to my conversation with Jacqueline Shiolori to talk about her new book, We Cook Filipino. Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. Today, I'm speaking with Jacqueline Chiolari, who is the author of The New Filipino Kitchen and the new cookbook, We Cook Filipino. It is out as of this airing. Jacqueline, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Dean. I'm so delighted to be here. Jacqueline, tell us about your childhood and where you live now. Yes, so I was born and raised in the Philippines. I grew up in a region called Pampanga, which is the culinary capital of uh, the country, the Philippines. Oh, wow. uh, my father, uh, of Ch- he's of Chinese descent. He passed away when I was a toddler. So my mother, who is obviously a Filipina, became the family's sole breadwinner and homemaker. I know that isn't easy under any circumstances, but it is especially difficult in the Philippines because there is a shortage of good paying jobs in the country. So um, to provide for the family, my mother opened up and closed down many businesses, including cooking and food selling stints. Um, They were all not very profitable. So uh, in the end, she made the difficult decision of leaving us to work abroad. Sadly, this situation is really not uncommon in the Philippines. So my Lola, uh, that's what we call grandmother in Filipino, she took over the job of raising my sisters and me. Um, I've lived outside the Philippines longer than I had lived in the Philippines. Uh, The UK, where I live now, is my seventh country of residence. I live in Manchester. It's in the northwest of England. Uh, We moved here about five years ago. So people of Filipino heritage like me are a very tiny minority in this part of the UK. Do you have any um, difficulty finding um, foods for some of the recipes you cook in the UK? Is it harder to get stuff there? Well, actually, compared to the previous countries uh, where I've lived, um, it's actually easier here. So what I do is I go to uh, Chinatown. There is a Chinatown not so far from where I live. Mm -hmm. And I managed to get most of the ingredients that I needed for this, for the cookbooks there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, can you talk about some of the uh, food influences you had growing up from your family? I know you said that your mother ran some um, food concerns um, in the Philippines. What mm -hmm. was some of the um, foods you ate growing up and what was some of the uh, kind of food memories you have of being young and living in the Philippines? Yes, actually, one of the uh, recipes that I share in We Cook Filipino, the upcoming cookbook, We Cook Filipino, is based on the food that I grew up eating in the Philippines. Um, it's called torta, tortang giniling, which is basically ground meat omelet. So my my gra my grandmother, my Lola, because um, she... She was the one who raised us. Um, she's a she's a woman of a of very strong character. Uh, you know, she's like um, I describe her like something like Mentos candy. I don't know. Are you familiar with? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mentos the fresh maker. <laughs> yeah. So she's kind of like Mentos because she's very hard on the outside but soft on the inside. Aww. Uh, anyway, even though she's she was very hard on us kids we just couldn't help but love her uh my my grandmother she was a home economics teacher during and after world war ii she's she was very uncompromising even with food so as the cook of the family she always made sure to use the best quality and freshest ingredients in fact she'd go to the wet market every day even when that meant waking up at uh, like four or five in the morning because those were the hours when you get the best and freshest produce in the market so when she she got older and frailer she'd still send someone to go to the market every day <laughs> and uh, you know she always prepared multiple dishes she's always working she's like in the kitchen from morning until she has the time in the afternoon so um, there is always a vegetable dish on the table, even if it was a lot of work for her and even if it was harder on the pocket because it's more expensive that she was preparing a lot of food. She, yeah. always, she always tried to do it. So one, one of the dishes that she always prepared was, was that that I mentioned earlier, the, the torta, torta oh. ginili, which is a favorite among us kids. And um, what she actually did, because it's a meat dish, she would mm -hmm. always add a variety of vegetables with the ground meat. So it went under the radar because, you know, let's face it, how many kids are fond of vegetables? Yeah, not many. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's her way of sort of not only enhancing the flavor of the dish and also to extend because we didn't really have lots of money so to yeah. extend the dish, but also to inject uh, more nutrients to our diet. So um, besides that dish, there would, as I mentioned, there would always be uh, another vegetable dish and always fresh fruits for dessert. Oh, so nice. she always lectured us about the benefits of eating right, of maintaining a balanced diet, which I think stuck to me subconsciously. And uh, though my grandmother, Lola, she was not the... No, she was not the lovey-dovey, showy, affectionate kind of person. Yeah. But she certainly showed her love through food. So I think that's 
her main influence. That's her main influence on me. How did you get your start in the food industry? I studied hotel and restaurant administration um, at the University of the Philippines. So right after I graduated, my first job was as assistant manager for a certified Angus Steakhouse. Then I was offered a job in food and beverage at, at Shangri-La, the Shangri-La chain. Uh, so I was sent to Kuala Lumpur, Shangri-La, where I did my management training before joining the pre-opening team of Shangri-La in Manila. Then after a few years there, I moved to Sheraton in Dubai, where I opened the hotel seafood restaurant, which became the setting of my story in the new Filipino kitchen. I want to talk about that. Um, you are one of the five young women professionals featured in Emirates Women's Magazine in a special report, Why the Future is Female. Your story is in your first cook of the new Filipino kitchen and recounts what it's like to be a single female uh, Filipino expat in an extremely male-dominated and couple-dominated society. Can you talk about what it was like being featured here and being able to tell your story? Yes, um, to understand the significance of being featured in this article, I have to take you back to 1995 Dubai in mm -hmm. the United Arab Emirates in the Middle East, a region not particularly known for having the greatest track record for women's rights, especially yeah. not back in those days. So I was just 25 then, <laughs> yeah. very long time ago. <laughs> so my job was to open and run a restaurant for one of the world's most renowned hotel brands in Dubai. So while the hotel and restaurant industry teamed with Filipino personnel, uh, a young single female Filipino securing a management level role, uh, a role which was primary, primarily dominated by men, it was very rare at that time. So um, Sheraton actually took a big step by hiring me for that position. However, the staff, for the staff, the guests, and the general public in Dubai, I don't think they were actually ready for it. Because when it came to breaking stereotypes, I realized that people were more willing to accept an outrageous lie than a plain truth in order to support their existing mindset for, for example, to justify why I was hired as a manager with equal pay to my vocation or male counterparts, a false rumor was spread. By the way, this was during the period long before equal pay legislation was endorsed and approved in, in the Emirates. So the rumor yeah. that spread was that I got the job because I was sleeping with a boss. Oh, Which, of God. course, wasn't true. <laughs> it was just much easier for people to accept that rumor than to believe that I was the best candidate for the job. That's why I got the job. So that was a rumor, but it wasn't the truth. So it also didn't help that my assistant was a blonde and blue-eyed German woman. You know, she and I, we worked very well together. And we actually became very close friends. But when she was around, no one believed that I was the manager. So one incident. Oh, my God. The most... <laughs> so there was one incident which 
was really, you know, painful for me because one time there was um, a Filipina. She was actually the consul of the Philippines in Dubai. Yeah. She she was um, going to visit the restaurant. So when I saw when I saw her approaching, I was so excited to meet her. I was going to welcome her. I was with my arms outstretched with a big smile. But to my disappointment, she just ignored me. She just passed by me and went directly to my assistant who was standing behind me and shook shook her hand instead. Oh, my God. I know, right? So it probably wouldn't have hurt that much if she was not a fellow Filipino. So I know. That's God. Yeah. I mean... Even though if I was not the manager, I mean, why would you just ignore somebody who was yeah. already, he could have shook my hand at least before going to the, yeah, anyway. So that that's what happened. So so going back to that article in Emirates Woman, uh, I was quoted saying, sometimes as a young woman manager, I feel I need to prove myself double. People's mentality can be such that they give you a hard time because you don't look how they perceive you should. Yeah. So though this was eons ago, <laughs> unfortunately, I think this word still ring true in many societies around the world. Yeah. I mean, I know things have changed, but do you think things have changed somewhat at least or still pretty oh, much yes. the same? It has improved a lot, but... It's still there, though. Yeah. I mean, maybe in the hotel and restaurant industry, it has improved at a pace that is perhaps it could be faster. Yeah. I would think that like so many years ago, 20 plus years, we wouldn't be still talking about these things. It's still there a lot. It has improved a lot, but yeah, it's still there. So your first book is The New Filipino Kitchen. What inspired you to compile these stories and recipes and create a cookbook with different contributors? Mm -hmm. So I had lived in countries where there were no Filipino restaurants, not even in some, not even ingredients for Filipino cooking. When I was living in uh, Croatia, I had to drive far away from where we live just to buy a bottle of soy sauce to make adobo. So most of the time, I also had to ask my mother, who's been living in the UK, to ship ingredients like ginger, for example, to me yeah. from the UK. Uh, sometimes the ingredients wouldn't even reach me because they'd be confiscated by customs, yeah. <laughs> customs officers. So I think my longing to reconnect with our food, with our culture, especially since I usually lived in places where I didn't really get much, you know, I was not really connected to the Filipino community. So it led me to creating um, the new Filipino kitchen. What was it like compiling the list of um, nostalgic, funny, and sweet and touching stories that are in this uh, cookbook? How did it make you feel to kind of read people's uh words and hear their stories oh wow it was <laughs> it was actually uh you know like an emotional roller coaster yeah. uh some stories brought tears to my eyes some made me laugh out loud out loud 
all made me smile with empathy and beam with pride. It was, uh, you know, it was uh, a really awe-inspiring experience to finally, again, be reconnected with the, the diaspora, with the Filipino diaspora, with members of the diaspora. And to see that though we are all different, coming from all different parts of the world, and we all have different backgrounds, there seemed to be always like something... There's always a connection, you know, which is which is Filipino food for us. Yeah. What feedback have you received about the book? Um, I know that you must have received a lot of fan letters or emails on social media. What was some of the um, what was some of the things that you heard from the people that read it and were inspired by it? I received a lot of thank yous for taking on the challenge of creating such an unconventional project, which is a labor of love. Um, I also received comments saying that they love the stories as much as the recipes. Uh, some said they never expected to cry while while reading a cookbook. Yeah. So, but there is also one comment that you're not all positive, of course. There is also a comment saying that somebody said that um oh it's not really a cookbook it's more like a memoir because there are more stories there are more pages with stories than recipes so i listened to that so for the upcoming we cook filipino i made sure that there is a balance uh in we cook filipino there are 51 recipes and 36 stories it always seems like there's one person that's got to make some kind of a comment i don't know it's like <laughs> Thanks for your contribution yeah. to that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> there is always some something negative. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to have something to say. Yeah. Uh, so your newest cookbook is We Cook Filipino, and it's a collection of recipes from Filipino food personalities and award-winning chefs. How did this project come to be, and, and what do you hope readers will take away from it? Yeah, so um, We Cook Filipino is a new collection of heart-healthy recipes and inspiring stories. It's different from the new Filipino kitchen, my first book, because it's not only a cultural Filipino cookbook, but also a book for heart health and wellness. It was created out of concern for the prevalence of heart disease in Filipino communities and the general population at large. Um, I think there are lots of good Filipino cookbooks out there, but none so far that highlights the versatility of Filipino food in adopting to the needs of health, uh, of a healthy eating life, lifestyle. For, for the takeaway, I think the takeaway would be that Filipino food adjusts to any type of eating pattern and that Taking care of our hearts and well-being can be a delicious and delightful affair. Because I think you also, perhaps um, I'm I'm not sure if you've heard about um, about some criticisms about Filip Filipino food. And one of those criticisms, because most of the food that the most Filipino food that is known internationally are like pork, like sisig. Have you heard? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I've eaten it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, sisig, and uh, there's lechon, which is pork, and so also love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, those are actually really, really good food, tasty food that we actually eat as celebratory dishes when, when we're celebrating Lechon, for example, when there is a fiesta, when there's a big occasion, we celebrate with Lechon. These are not food that we eat on a daily basis. No, no. And sisig, for example, traditionally is eaten uh, as a pollutant, which is like a, a tapas or appetizer that you eat while you're drinking with beverages, something like yeah. that. So they're not, it's not, it's not traditionally eaten as a main meal. So yeah. what, what I'm trying to say, I mean, there are also other types of Filipino food, everyday food that we eat that are not all, you know, that are not all meat heavy or saturated fat heavy. So it's it's not really fair to <laughs> to judge Filipino food for being unhealthy because of of a few dishes that are actually celebratory dishes and not everyday dishes. Although I'm not saying that we shouldn't have them. I think it is actually not healthy to deprive ourselves of things that we like. If you want to have seasick, of course have seasick, but of course you don't eat it every day. And yeah. maybe it's all about balance. You have seasick for dinner. Maybe the following day you have something healthier for you for your yeah. lunch and dinner the following day. So, so that is actually the conversation around around the book. That's uh, around the creation of We Cook Filipino. I'm very enthusiastic about this book. Not only is there a wide range of um, recipes for all around the day. I mean, there's breakfast recipes. There's recipes for lunch. There's all there's snacks. There's uh, all kinds of things. It's really diverse. Um, there were like homey touches. I thought like the wholemeal purple yam bread rolls the vegetarian uh, pancit and the grilled chicken hash, uh, fresh lumpia. And then there's some standout recipes that seem very fancy to me, like something you see at a five-star restaurant, like poached prawns and mango fennel salad, banana mm -hmm. blossom salad with coconut dressing and squid stuff with tomatoes and white cheese. Did you expect the diversity of styles and cooking from your contributors? Yes, because uh, the uh, the contributors are come from a variety of backgrounds. Some are chefs. Some are um, writers, some are vloggers, bloggers, um, you know, all ambassadors of Filipino food in, in their own kind of way. But one of the, the briefs that I gave them was to submit a recipe that is not only heart healthy, but also easy for um, the home cook to prepare. We are. Um, we know that one of the, perhaps, one of the most um, challenging things for a home cook to prepare healthy every day is like lack of time, or you don't have perhaps you don't have the uh, the expertise to make food, or so we we wanted to make sure that all the recipes in the book are easy to prepare by even uh, the beginner home cook who doesn't always have a lot of time to spend in the kitchen. Filipino food is becoming increasingly popular in the United States, especially, um, you know, here um, in the United States and Canada. Uh, what do you think accounts for this growing interest in Filipino food in the last couple of years? Mm -hmm. I, I actually have uh, several theories. I think it's um, a joint I mean, it's not just one thing, but several things that uh, accounts for the growing interest. 
One, for example, are the, um, the joint and intensified efforts of Filipino organizations, individuals such as chefs, writers, vloggers, bloggers, the Philippine government entities, and also media in bringing Filipino food to the fore. Um, I was actually um, investigating why, because when I was living in Norway, there were so many Thai restaurants um, in in Norway where I lived, while there was not a single Filipino restaurant. And uh, I discovered later on the reason for that, because um, Thai, Thailand was one of the countries that launched a gastro diplomacy uh, campaign in 2002. The um, idea was to increase Thai restaurants internationally. So they offered entrepreneurs with support by like, you know, giving loans, providing templates, making it easier for them to source ingredients, etc. So the, the 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 Philippine government is also now doing the same sort of efforts, but of course, gastro diplomacy takes takes some time before you can actually find the results. And so, I think that could also be one of the reasons why it's. I mean, there's growing interest because there are more people promoting Filipino food. And another thing is, I think compared to many years ago. Right now, the ingredients are more widely available everywhere, not like that period when I was living in, in Croatia. And the fact that globalization and travel, people have now become more exposed and open to different flavor spectrums and combinations. So uh, people have become more open to trying Filipino food, even if perhaps it's something unfamiliar for them. And my last theory is based on um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> so yeah. it is said that members of the new generation are better off than the members of the generation before them. <laughs> so yeah. understandably, the focus of the first generation Filipino immigrant was on survival, necessities, and security, which are the, the first stage in the hierarchy. As those needs are met for the next generation, there is a shift up the ladder of the hierarchy. So the need to be recognized or accepted for our identity and for who we are have now become one of those, one of that, the priorities. So uh, this, in my opinion, is why there are more and more people of Filipino heritage who are showcasing their identity through food and they are actually not only unabashed to to display their Filipino flair, but they proudly showcase their Filipino heritage through food. I think there are more of this in the you know the younger generation. What are your top three tips for home cooks who are new to the Filipino cuisine and want to learn more about it? Mm -hmm. So. My first tip would be to learn how to cook rice the Filipino way. <laughs> Once you have learned that, you're actually halfway halfway there to preparing a Filipino meal because rice is a staple in Filipino meals. Yeah. 
And Filipino rice is just plain steamed rice, no salt or seasoning required. It is like that to counteract the savoriness of the dishes, which we call ulam, that are eaten with it. Yeah. My second tip would be, um, you know, the most of the the stews and stir fries um, start with the holy trinity of aromatics. That's garlic, onion, and tomatoes. So in We Cook Filipino, I suggest and give a recipe for preparing a big batch of stir fry, we call gisa in Filipino, gisa cubes, which are mm -hmm. prepared ready in the freezer to plop in a pan or pan whenever you have to prepare a Filipino dish. So thus making prepping faster. And for my third tip, Filipino food is a balancing act of saltiness, sweetness, and sourness. The main sources of acid in Filipino cooking are cane vinegar, which, which are available in Filipino Asian markets, and calamansi uh, or Philippine lime, which is also available fresh or bottled in pureed or juice form in Filipino or Asian markets. But uh, what I would like to advise is for those who are not familiar, not to, uh, you know, not to worry if you don't get the the uh, the flavor, the, the taste, the taste right, because in Filipino cooking, there is a fallback, which are called sausawan. Sausawans are dipping sauces. So it's common for for diners to always eat with sausan. So if they want, for example, to have more spice or more saltiness in their dishes, so they could personalize the taste by uh, dipping into this sausawans, which are hallmarks of the cuisine. Hmm. What's your favorite aspect of Filipino food culture? We Filipinos were, we often ask Whenever we meet, we often ask one another, kumain kana. On the surface, it asks, have you eaten? But beneath the surface, what it really means is that we care. So that's my favorite aspect of Filipino food culture. Uh, food has always been central to our well-being. So it is for the same reason that I created uh, We Cook Filipino, even though I had known that it was going to be one heck of a super steep uphill journey to get it to publication. Yeah. What's next for you? So um, after We Cook Filipino launches on the 24th of October, um, in April next year, I'm debuting as a picture book author. Um, my next book it's also about food. It's called Mammy King. The title is Mammy King. It's for young and young at heart readers. And it's illustrated by a Filipino-American award-winning children's book illustrator, Christine Sora. It is uh, a delicious story about perseverance, generosity, and the coming together of people from all walks of life over bowls of mommy noodle soup. That sounds wonderful. As a librarian, that's very exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that come out, maybe be yeah, featured I'm at one of our story times. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of excited about it as well. We're going to be actually um, 
revealing the cover in the next couple of weeks for Mommy yeah. King. Nice. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Jacqueline, I want to thank you for being on the um, podcast. I've enjoyed getting a chance to talk to you. I want to mention to the listeners that We Cook Filipino, we're going to have a link to that to um, purchase that in the bio, as well as the new Filipino kitchen. You can get both of those books through those links or at all better bookstores. Jacqueline, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, Dean. That was my conversation with author Jacqueline Chialori. Her new book, We Cook Filipino, is out now. You can get it through all major outlets and at all better bookstores. There's a link to purchase it in the bio. Tomorrow, we'll be coming back to speak to, to speak to Rose Wild, who has a new book out, Bread and Roses, 100 Grain-Forward Recipes Featuring Global Ingredients and Botanicals. We'll be talking with her tomorrow. Until then, I'll see you at the library. <laughs>